0: This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by
1: BeatSource. What is up, everyone? Welcome to The 20 Podcast, brought to you by BeatSource. I'm your host, DJ Spider. DJ Spider! That is right. Welcome to the show. You guys, make sure you check out BeatSource.com and use our code The20 for an extra month on the free 30 day trial with BeatSource link. That is, you know, our exclusive thing that we've got built into our service. You can DJ from the cloud using our expertly curated playlists and DJ edits that no one else has. We are made for DJs by DJs, and this is the truth. I am not just saying this. I personally use BeatSource in conjunction with my DJ library at gigs. I could expand more on it if you want. Just hit me up. Um, speaking of amazing sites and ways to hit me up my website dj spider.com d-e-e-j-a-y-s-p-i-d-e-r.com that's right i got my upcoming gigs i got all kinds of things on there i've been posting a lot of my live dj sets um i've been doing so many different kinds of gigs that my sets have been all over the place so um i've been putting them up on my mix cloud and SoundCloud. go check out my instagram I'm always posting links on there at dj and write me Uh, Message. Let me know how you're liking the show, some requests, you know, whatever you want. Not song requests. Requests for, like, guests on the show. Um, Thank you guys for listening, um, you know, and make sure you come out to my gigs if you peep that and you're in the area. I'm in Vegas once a month. I'm in L.A. every week. I'm traveling the country doing nightclubs, private events, stuff like that. Thank you guys for all the messages about the show, and thank you for always supporting. Make sure you rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube, and all that. We are available anywhere you get podcasts, video, audio, whatever you want, baby. Um, And thank you guys, the Beat Sorcerers, for tuning in. I got to tell you about our show today. I've been trying to get this guy on the show for a while. He is an amazing dude i'm such a fan of the music that he produces um and i'm just a fan of him in general and i think you will be too after today's show he's somebody whose dj and music career has taken them to incredible places things that you would have never dreamt of i think he's really paved his own lane as a dj a solo artist and his amazing group the knox which he is one half of uh, they were just nominated for two Grammys, which we discuss uh, on the episode. Super interesting. They've toured the world themselves. At one point, uh, they toured the world with Justin Bieber. has got some incredible stories about that on here. Um, just hearing about his evolution and how being a scratch DJ starting out influenced him and that was super interesting and super inspirational because it just shows how you can get into something and take you places that you never could have dreamed of or things that you you know really want to manifest yourself and not to mention all that he is a funny smart humble and all-around cool person who has done some incredible things in the music world and he has a ton more things coming on the way um so please welcome to the show dj B-Rock of Holiday 87 and the Knox. We're here. It's the 20 Podcast. And please welcome to the show, DJ B-Rock from the Knox and Holiday 87. Hello. Make some noise. What's up? What's up? <laughs>
0: I love what's that.
1: up? What's up? Look at that. The crowd's going crazy. blah out. Snoop just popped in. <laughs> <laughs> yes sir oh my god everybody's here <laughs> that's
0: gonna that's gonna fuck with me i'm gonna keep looking around me like
1: <laughs> yo i see Ph- pharrell is right behind you he's opening your fridge right now, so. <laughs> um, what up, yes what up what up finally making this happen um yeah. we were just reminiscing about how we hung out the night before the pandemic actually fully started <laughs> and never yeah, saw each other four times the <laughs> The that was before a weird vibe
0: at, at a hang. You're all like hanging out trying to drink beers and like be cool. But you're all like, is the world going to end? <laughs> yeah, weird, weird energy.
1: That, that's, that was like that whole weekend. Like I DJed and we were like, you know, trying to like, do we shake hands? What do we do? And then we all hung out at the right. after party at, at your place. And we're like, like you said, we're like, we should hang out, man. Let's go get lunch. Let's do stuff. Uh, and then it's like four years later, like we're on a virtual podcast. We <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one day though i know you've been in la a few yeah. times and we've tried to Yeah, you know, i've tried to it's always too come quick. hang or you know dj equal's always updating me on where you are so he's like Go. come here let's do this you know something yeah <laughs> um yes he is the best shout to dj equal uh in the house Great shout. um but yeah thank you for taking the time and coming on the show and i'm excited Thanks to catch for up me. and You know, just talk to you about everything, like, you know, your own personal career, your Holiday 87 project, the Knox project, like, so much has been going on. I saw even just this past weekend, like, there was two different things that you guys worked on that were nominated for Grammys.
0: Yeah, we are officially two-time Grammy losers. (laughs) Well, you're nominees, I guess. guess. That's the nice, the political way to put it. (laughs) Yeah
1: um but it's better to be a grammy loser than a grammy nothing i guess right yeah right there you go <laughs> what were the two projects that that were nominated
0: um we were up for well one of them was the best remix and it was of our song slow song with Dragonette, which was like our main single off the last album which is right. um is a paul wolford remix but the funny thing is actually if that one we don't get the grammy which is seems kind of silly to me as we wrote the song but like that's super. Any weird. of the artists are, it's just the remixer. Like I wouldn't have gotten a trophy even if it, if it was art. and you know, it's fucking that's weird. so strange. But uh yeah yeah, but that one lost to Purple Disco Machine, which granted I think he deserved that song. He had the like the biggest year ever as a remixer. He did every song ever and like
1: smashed it. He just had a crazy. It was year. insane. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's really but dialed in with his sound. I mean, you guys are too. Oh, he like, is he's a, very dialed but in. No, he's
0: he's got such a thing. Yeah. And uh and our remix wasn't even the funny thing is that it feels like that that re- that nomination was almost a nod to the song in a way because the remix really didn't do anything. Like, Paul Wolford smashed; it's a great remix, but, like, it didn't, not many DJs played it. It didn't get that many streams, but it feels like, I don't know, in in our head, we were kind of like, it feels like they kind of just wanted to give that song a nod because the song, did our song did really well, but it doesn't really fit in, like, an EDM category and didn't really fit in, like, a pop category. So I feel like right. giving the remix a nod felt like just kind of a, a nod to the whole thing, which was cool. Um, right. And then the other one was the Odessa record. We had a, a feature on their album, and they were nominated for Electronic Album of the Year. Um, right. So that one we would actually got a Grammy because we were a featured artist, but we lost it to, to a little new new DJ named Beyonce.
1: Oh man, she's pretty dope. Like I've heard her coming up, you know, and doing <laughs> yeah, she's, her thing. And,
0: yeah, she um, opened for us back in the day
1: yeah you know she's uh <laughs> i mean that's pretty crazy I, and i mean in a way like what you were saying with oh they it didn't fit into these categories and they gave us a nod like i think the beyonce thing is the 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 cra- you know totally. i guess shows that whole thing where people were arguing about oh should she be in the dance music genre and i think that music has become so you know i guess mashed yeah. together that it's hard to classify things within the genre yeah and
0: like and people forget that like i mean that whole album like was like kind of a history and dance like a lesson in history and dance music anyway you know like the, from was. the samples yeah, yeah. To the, from the samples to the to the references to the other producers is like black coffee and all those dudes i don't know it just felt like it felt very right you know and like Right. If you're going to lose a Grammy to anyone, Beyonce is a pretty cool one to lose to.
1: <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty damn <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think anybody that was upset, like, I guess I understand. I saw
0: a lot of mad, mad ravers on Twitter, though. People were like, the furry lot of mad audience ravers. was pissed. Yeah. Right. They're
1: like, oh, is she going to be at the Coachella tent and doing B2B? Yeah. It's like, yo, it was get over like yourself. like the countdown
0: of, of bad Twitter jokes being like, oh, do, Beyonce never did Boiler Room and like, shut up.
1: Right. It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and like what are you going to do? I I understand I guess their perspective that she's so worldwide famous and pop that it seems a little bit different and of course she has like an advantage or something. Of right,
0: of course. And like she was to break a record so they wanted I'm sure they wanted to give it to her but it's also you got to remember it's the fucking Grammys. It's like they're trying to get their ratings back. They've exactly. Been
1: like, it's in, the Grammys. Yeah.
0: They've been sliding down this hill for so long of like the ratings every year. They're like 50% drop, 50% drop in viewers. And finally, this is the first year, I guess, that it bopped back up a little bit, which is interesting. Um, Right. But it was the first, first time that dance music has been televised, probably because Beyonce was in the category. But maybe that'll be a thing now, which is cool. It was cool to see like the Grammys and then see like the Odessa guys up on the big screen. That's like a big, big step, you know?
1: it was great exactly it's like yeah. Diplo and you guys and everything and, right you know and even i'm watching it with my son you know just from that perspective like a 10 year old he's right. saw all that and he asked me who those people were he's like who's rufus De soul you know and like right he doesn't know <laughs> yeah, totally. you know but right. but it's kind of cool yeah. i get to explain to him like oh these are these you know dance music people and djs and you know producers and um even just him watching the history of hip hop was kind of dope too. Cause he was like, What's that was life? amazing.
0: I was geeking. I was, a, I, I had left my, I was with my family at first and I went home to, and uh, just in time for that. And I was just like yeah. up here, just like smoking a joint, just like rocking out me like this is, like, 14-year-old me is just losing my shit right now, watching this whole thing go down. The best. Some yeah. of it some of it was, like, hilarious, you know? Like, as a rap fan, just to, like, see some of these dudes up there doing that. And then, like, sometimes, like, when fucking the locks came out, I was, like, throwing my hat in there. I was like, let's go. <laughs> it was so fire.
1: <laughs> Hell, yeah. And they used the Alchemist beat. Like, it was so dope. Yeah.
0: Like, we and then go Jay it. And Jay-Z doing that verse at the end. All my group chat, all my friends in my group chat like, this is long. This is boring. I was like, well, you came into the coolest thing I've ever seen. I was lo- I, lo- I think that's like the best I think that's the best Jay Z verse in so long and I was just loving like every second of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was super dope. I love how they did it and like having Jazzy Jeff up there doing like real DJ and like right. and doing his famous DJ. I mean, just from a DJ perspective, and I'm sure all the people listening to this podcast appreciate it. Like seeing Jazzy Jeff do his most famous routine that he uses, oh, yeah. you know, and then having LL Cool J up there like reenacting it live yeah. and it was just crazy and quest love on the drums and it, it was nuts grandmaster and i know 5. seeing
0: that seeing that the lo cool j the rock the bells routine was like i just like got taken back i was like fuck i haven't even thought about this in so long i mean i used to be a dmc dj and that was just like the the routine you know like everyone would do it as like a nod right um that that whole that whole juggle is like it was just so cool i was like man this is like i just remember being a kid being a dj I grew up like in Vermont in the woods being a, a scratch DJ. I was very like one of the only people probably in a however many mile radius that did that. I used to right. get gassed when I'd, when I'd see scratch DJs or any of that kind of shit on anything. I'd see a McDonald's commercial or like Incubus had a DJ. I'd be like, look, mom, like they're doing what I'm doing. Like it's a real thing. Like, you know, and now <laughs> to see it, it's like, it's it's a cool to not. I mean, it also felt like very Grammys, like old school, you know, it also made rap feel really old in a weird way. It made me feel really old. Like, yeah. It's like it's like when you watch when they do the rock and roll things and like a bunch of like geriatric rockers come out and do their old songs you're like oh man this looks a little hurt. There was like moments of that with the hip hop thing which like made me check my age a little bit I was like damn I like hip hop's not as fresh as it was when I was a kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's not a, but it was very cool. I was like I was just geeking as like a you know I've been a hip hop fan my whole life so
1: it was cool. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. No, definitely. I mean, they had, uh, there's a category best historical album. It wasn't even just like, you know, a genre and it was like freestyle fellowship was one of the nominees. it's crazy so talk about feeling yeah. old i was like damn it's not even like best old school hip-hop it was like best historical album like right. up there with
0: yeah it's like you like know classical music
1: yeah it was like some like a wax cylinder that king tut was listening to or something like i don't know what <laughs> <laughs> i'm like historical damn how old are we know. at this point point?
0: and then my favorite thing was dr dre presenting himself with his own award like Doc, that the was new weird, Dr. Dre right? award to Dr. Dre. I was like, oh, man, that's like a meme. It's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> that was just cracked me up. Right.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was dope, and he deserves it, but it was such a strange way to do it. They were like, it's the do- first ever Dr. Dre award to himself, you know? Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. All right. You got it, bud. <laughs> Yeah. Um but even that was cool. Like I said, my kids like learning a lot. He's like, he created beats and I was like, Yeah, beats by Dre, you know, I'm out here. Yeah, right. Grandpa. Yeah, he looked teaching. a little long
0: he looked a little long in the tooth. I didn't seen him, I guess, in a while, like on camera and you know, like, I saw that image of him like when he was like jacked yeah. up a little older, Dr. Dre, but he felt like he looked like Grandpa Dre
1: a little bit. The pandemic like did some shit to to people, I think. You know, it was like yeah. those three <laughs> years, two yeah. and a half, three years, like to some people, it was like ten years or something. I don't know about oh, him. But yeah,
0: no, yeah, one hundred percent.
1: There was, I don't know, tired us out or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm happy to be just be back working and and doing stuff though. Um, and I mean, I think, yeah, you I was know, asking it,
0: you as like, sorry, as such a yeah, traveling no, no, DJ, go please. As such a traveling DJ, you like were all over the place, and you. I feel like you were like almost traveling more than I was in in the day, and like. do was were you psyched to get back was it like the same feeling you had this is why i've been asking all my kind of touring musician friends it's like i know a lot of people like kind of had in their head after the pandemic like i know we did we had like a Knox and French show and in my head i was like this is gonna be so epic i'm gonna be like sobbing in the dj booth and like i'm back you know but like it wasn't fully the way i had pictured it like i still was very happy (laughs) to be back but it wasn't it almost felt like it was very like riding a bike where it's like oh here we are again like there's the bottle and there's my friends and we're back in the booth and It felt like it was yesterday again, kind of.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. You know, like, you just kind of... Like, it didn't come back in such a way that where we talked about it, like, on podcasts, like, there will be the day. We will all be there. You know, like, Right, like the Great Gatsby or some shit, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you know, we're all playing the, like, blessed Madonna, we lost dancing, Fred again, you know, (laughs) song. We're all, like, hugging each other, like, yes. Like, I think it was... It happened, at least for me, kind of slowly, because it would be like, okay, can you do this gig in Vegas in, like, May? And you were like, do I wear a mask? It's really weird. You know, and just slowly right. but surely for me, I would just, like, get back into it, like, oh, is this going to be okay? And then, and then I think I got COVID, like, a year ago by – I was, like, <laughs> yeah. in Vegas or a football right. game or something, you know, and it just kind of – Yeah, just and then from there, I was like, I'll just go do whatever. But but I mean, at the same time, there has been a feeling of, I guess, grateful thankfulness and grateful to be back out working, doing our thing. You know, I'm not I didn't know what was going to happen about halfway through. So the fact that we're back out there working and doing stuff, you know, I've been I had sort of a. A year of or even a time of yes where I'm just trying to say yes to as much stuff as possible and remembering that I wanted to work so bad like a year and a half ago so right um you know trying to keep that in perspective um but also I've been pushing myself like I've had a crazy past month and a half and um I'm exhausted (laughs) so I don't know (laughs) I'm back to like I was in my house a couple days ago like I don't want a pandemic to happen again. And it was horrible, but there was elements where I really liked being yeah. able to just sit in my house all the time and not have to make an excuse for it or explain like, yeah, I've been working. Yeah. So I'm just going to chill at home. Like everyone just accepted it. <laughs> so it was kind of nice.
0: Yeah. hundred. Yeah. I'm into that. I, I definitely appreciate my downtime way more now in a different way. And like, yeah. we've actually been saying, we've been saying no to more things. I feel like almost just because of that, I don't know. It's like, i guess we're just saying no we're just also getting older and like saying we've just been like as for knock stuff we've kind of been a little bit more selective on what we do not like burning the candle on both ends as much as we used to um but then when i do go do it it's like i have a blast and i and it's like great but i'm like more than ever there are moments where and it's felt like like work a little more at times when in the past i feel like i was just like going a million miles an hour and just like "This this is crazy and like kind of not thinking about it but now there have been moments I also like moved upstate and I live in a house now. I live in the woods. It's like, you know, life is different. So it's like, it feels like sometimes uh, uh, it's, I don't know. It's just like, it's definitely different. I just feel like the whole world has shifted in so many ways. I feel like the crowds are a little different. Like people aren't, I've I've experienced that like they aren't going as nuts as they, they might've, or maybe it just feels less of a collective thing at times in certain clubs or certain environments. It's like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's kind of this like intangible thing. But I do think people like kind of painted it like they're like, it was going to be like the roaring 20s all over again. And that definitely didn't happen. I don't No, if anything, if anything, it made people think about like, I think what, like what you're saying, like, oh, this is like, it's okay to like take two days and just like care about myself. And like, maybe I don't have to go to like, if there's a fun party going on, like I might not miss everything if I don't go. And people are like having a little more fun in other ways too, or like more self care. You know, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think that's true. Like, and people have taken that into their life a bit. And like, um, yeah, exactly. Like I don't like, I'm not working this Friday and I'm not like freaking out about it. Like, and I used to be like, (laughs) DJing every weekend, no matter what, that's my job. What's going to happen if I'm not, and now it's like, yeah, now it's okay to have the downtime. And, and you're right. It's just different. And there is elements of, everybody was doing their own thing, like musically and in every different way. So when they're coming back together, there's not as much of a cohesive. Um, yeah. Mindset. People just got
0: really good at, at being on their own in so many different ways, yes. whether it's making music alone or whatever, like hang. I think yeah. people like us where we were just go, go, go all the time. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, I don't know about you, but I had to like train myself how to just like be alone and like deal with that. And I think, you know, it's like, Stockholm syndrome it's like but now I love it and I like that's like my safe place but it used to be my uncle I used to be like I'm not around people I'm like used to like being in some crowded place every day but I kind of learned that I might not actually be an extrovert. I was kind of like forced to be an extrovert from my line of work and I might actually be a little bit more of an introvert than I thought I was (laughs) you know what I mean
1: yeah totally yeah no I feel you yeah there was definitely times I had to push myself to be like all right just Go out and see people. I know you don't want to, but <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. part of your job and you want to work more again, you know, so right. I'll force myself to go out. And I do have fun once I'm out and it's so nice to see people and, you know, catch right. up. It's, almost, and you a, it's almost like
0: the lead up is worse. It's like the anxiety the, yes. before going out. And then totally. you get there and you're like, oh, this is great. I love doing this. Why was I like so – I was like thinking about this for three days. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like now, exactly. i mean, like, I don't want to go out. Should I go time? out?
1: To a, yeah, it's like a whole right. thing. And then also you see people and you don't realize how long it's been. Like you're saying, we haven't seen each other in a while. And right. I went out, you know, these Grammy parties and I was seeing people I hadn't seen since 2020 or 2019. And yeah. you don't realize like how much time has gone by, you know, and it's good just to reconnect yeah. and – um totally. you know here yeah hear what other people are doing but it did lead to other cool things and i mean it led to you doing your solo project um i think yeah. which is so cool like i i i listened to that when you came out with i mean every time you put out the single i would listen to it right away and then when you came out with the album um or ep i don't know what it was called but it, it was like an it album. Was, yeah. okay it was like a full album i thought and it was so good like i could just put it on all the way through Thanks, you know beginning to end and it was just like good to drive to or to have on in my house or to actually listen to actively or like passively and it reminded yeah, that was me kind of, of the like goal. really it like reminded me yeah. of all the music i like over the years all mashed together kind of how like the avalanches or somebody does but not yeah. in that aggressive way like in a more right. dj shadowish way i guess where uh, yeah it, Flows together, and it was just like soothing and cool and dope at the same time. You're saying like, all my
0: favorite things. Oh well, <laughs> that, no, you're nailing yeah. it. Thank you. That that's like exactly DJ Shadow and Avalanches are two like my biggest influences, even before I really Eden was a per- that's yeah, like I, a that's what i heard overall. like
1: avalanches is more like oh we're doing crazy shit you know like right. and shadows more like hip-hop trip-hop i guess yeah, yeah, but you yeah. you were like that bridge mixed with of course your own unique sound like that you can't even classify well, thank but, you um yeah it was so cool yeah like, I, I, I it was it that. was a,
0: it was kind of a it was kind of a challenge to like try to make that i kind of went set out to try to make a record that you can do that kind of just put on because that's what i love listening to music that way um You know, I'm always in my house and I just put stuff on in the background while I'm doing whatever. And especially electronic music that just sets a a tone. And it's funny because I used to, I think as a musician, like kind of like put my nose up at records that kind of all sounded like one thing a little bit. Like, oh, it's so easy. They just do the same thing on every song. But then if you're actually trying to make a record like that, it's harder than than it seems to like make everything fit together, but still be different, but still have a sound. Um, like the Knox records are very much like, kind of like genre jumping all over the place. Um, we definitely have our thing, but like, it's not like the XX or something where you put on the Knox record and it's like, this like washes over you vibe. It's like very much, it's, it's more like listening music or like you put on for a purpose, but, uh, but yeah, that was kind of the goal with this. It was like almost like the, the come down, you know what I mean? Like, and I was, I made the whole thing when I was at my parent, my parents' house, which is like in rural Massachusetts. and. And I was very inspired by just like being outside in the woods and just like having stuff that I want to walk around and look at trees to, you know? Right. <laughs> I was like, because <laughs> I was not no, doing for real. Same. Like, <laughs> I, I'm in LA, but
1: we're in like the hills, you know, like in Sherman Oaks. And yeah. even like just, we would just do these walks every day, like all around the neighborhood and same kind of thing, just like, hearing birds and looking at leaves and just like having music like (laughs) that to put on your headphones was like the best you know and like on spotify they have that um that one playlist uh pollen i think it's called and i
0: love that one i love
1: that one it's like that it's not like exactly that music but they have some stuff on there that totally it just makes you feel good and think and like it's funky and like soulful but also futuristic and
0: And I also just wanted to try making something and just putting it out and not like sending it to anyone and not like having outside opinions, which is like, you know, coming from being on a major label now for 10 years for all the music we put out. There's so many people with opinions and so many people you got to, you got to think of when you make it, unfortunately, whether it's managers or whatever. And I just like, was like, told my manager, I was like, I'm just going to make this and I'm probably not even going to send it to you till the whole thing's done. Then I want to release it like the next week it's done. (laughs) I just want to like get it. It was like, it was like such a cathartic thing. Um, and it's good to hear like everyone I've talked to has kind of given me a similar feedback where it's like they just listen to the whole thing through. They don't like click around or which is like my favorite. That's yeah. always, like some of my favorite records like that I listen to. Like that Avalanche's the new Avalanches record I fucking love so much. And I listen to that thing front to back. Like I, I don't I don't think I could name the songs or tell you which one, but I've listened to the whole album right. in entire entirety so many times. Same with like uh frank ocean record blonde like that same thing where i know that record front to back but i couldn't tell you the name of the sixth song but i know it when it comes right. and what it is you know what i mean um, Yeah, totally so it's like two different beasts for me like albums that way i think yeah but yeah
1: that's great and and so like you mentioned you know growing up um in like rural massachusetts or is that is was that where you grew new up new hampshire
0: New Hampshire.
1: New Hampshire. Okay. Yeah. And oh, damn. I heard like I was watching the news last week, not to talk about weather, but that New Hampshire <sighs> got like minus 108 degrees or something. That was like yeah, mind blowing to me. What the hell? Yeah. Like, was, I mean, even up here,
0: it. I'm in upstate New York and it was like fucking negative something last week, but then 60 g- degrees today. But we don't have to get into weather, but I don't know. World, <laughs> no, world, I
1: just. World, sorry. The word still a, feels like it. <laughs> I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, we're about to freeze out. Oh, yeah. But so growing up. So, in the growing, up, <laughs> so <laughs> growing up. Okay, we're doing a weather podcast now. So we're doing the <laughs> Doppler 8000 coming through. We got Snoop Dogg. Talk weather. <laughs> Snoop Dogg doing the weather would be good. Um, no, but so so growing up uh, in New Hampshire, like you know, how did you get into DJing? How did you get into producing? How did you get into hip hop? Like you said, you were a scratch DJ, like back in the day. How yeah. how did that even begin? Because there wasn't that much YouTube, you know, there wasn't like
0: yeah, it really the was, internet in that respect. Was, yeah, it feels it makes like when I tell this story, it feels it really makes me feel like another. It feels so old because it's like. <laughs> I was up there and I loved, you know, I loved rap music first. I uh, listened to a lot of hip hop. I first started like punk and then I got into, um, from punk, I got into like really kind of producery, like DJ Shadow stuff and like more, my sister, it's just, it's basically what your siblings have, right? Back then it was like, if your sister has the CD or your older sibling, my older sister was a huge music fan. She had all this cool punk stuff and she listened to a lot of like DJ Shadow and, um i got nice. those records and i was like this stuff is so cool and weird like what is this and then that kind of transformed into beastie boys like more that kind like beastie boys to me were the transition between punk and hip-hop and it's like oh they're white kids doing this but they also do like punk music this is this is like exactly right. what i like they were like to me like my fucking idols like oh me too I, I i was obsessed you know like any white suburban kid then it was like they were just it it was like oh this is okay to do this uh yeah and that got me into hip-hop and I think that's how I kind of discovered DJing and scratching was probably from BC Boys Records because they you know they were so heavy with having their DJs involved in all their albums and like the way they used it in the music and same with DJ Shadow like he used scratches but it wasn't just like you know there's like invisible scratch pickles and stuff where it's like 64 bars of scratching one thing but they used it in like this kind of musical way
1: yeah
0: that became more of an instrument which is like that whole turntablism thing and and that's when I got into to DJing. But the way I even, I had a friend who had a friend. So this is like how I, I had to get the gear was my friend had a friend that had been to New York over the summer and he went to like, I don't even know. I think looking back at it, it was probably one of those like Canal Street electronic stores that just sell, like in the city that just sell like turntables and mixers and like mobile right. DJ equipment, you know? But we didn't have any of that right. up at where I grew up. It was like, we had Radio Shack and then we had a place that sold like hi-fi turntable gear, you know, like for like some fancy house type thing. And, uh, and they, and he brought the catalog back and I had to have him go borrow it from his friend who lived in a different town and bring it into school. So I could get this catalog to try to order turntables. I think I just ordered a mixer first and I used my parents crappy like turntable that was like built into their tape deck, you know, when it's like up really high, like on the top of the thing. And I had the mixer (laughs) down here and I was like scratching the like Bruce Springsteen records, you know, sounding terrible (laughs) needles, needles going all crazy. But it was just so funny how, you know, you think about it now, it's just crazy that I had to get this physical catalog and like call this number yeah. to, and give them the order number for like a, a, one of those like Gemini belt driven, whatever, and like a Vestax 04 or whatever fucking mixer. Um, and I got so into it. And I, uh, at the time, once I hit high school, I started getting really into it and I started selling weed at my school, which was like, my source of income and my parents didn't know how much money I was really making, obviously, cause I didn't tell them. So I'd buy this gear, which <laughs> costed quite a bit of money at the time, you know, like a 1200 wasn't cheap. Um, yeah, but I'd tell them i I tell them it cost like a hundred dollars because I wasn't, I didn't want them to know I was selling weed. Um, right. so that's, you know, like got, that's how I got, that's how I got all, got all my gear. Yeah. But meanwhile they were like super expensive and I got like a little four track recorder, like a task And I made these like tapes of like weird, very much just copying DJ shadow basically of like just like break beats with like weird phrases from like scratching, like, you know, those like spoken word records of someone telling some weird, like little red riding hood and then go into some weird think I'm bringing in the string section. that's completely out of key when you listen to it now, but I thought it was, you know what I mean? I didn't like have any musical. I didn't come up playing an instrument or anything. It was just all by ear and from like loving gear. I had this little six second sampler and like, I got really into that side of thing, and that turned into me producing. Just then, I got into kind of making beats, and I met these kids that live in a town over. Um, shout out to High Flow—that's the band, the group name. Um, what was it called? High Flow. Like a white, hot, just high flow. Yeah, high flow. And uh, All right. <laughs> yeah, real, real Vermont rap. It was like you know three <laughs> white boys from from Woodstock, Vermont. We and then we I started and I became their producer and DJ and we like played gigs we played at like Killington and the ski lodges we played in Burlington and like the furthest we ever got was like we played in Providence which was like the big city for us right um, and Boston and and yeah and that and that just kind of turned into then I got really into like when the internet came out that's when everything cracked open for me is like I was able to like be on forums I was on like that turntable all the turntables and forums and the hip hop underground hip was a huge one for me. Oh yeah, And too. I started re- and that's how I started reaching out and like finding out, okay, this is like, it was all, you know, it was all kids from New York and shit on there. And I was like starstruck by these DJs and these people posting these demos and being like, God, this sounds so good. Like, I don't even know how to do this. There weren't like the tutorials yet of like, you know, now on YouTube, you can just look up literally anything and learn anything. how to like, you want to make a Skrillex bass sound or you're going to make drums, sound like this. Like you can find anything like step-by-step yeah. step how to do it. Yeah. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Like there was a real community on the internet at that time with that stuff. It felt really supportive and you you'd, you'd po- I'd post these little samples of me scratching and people would give feedback and like all this stuff like that and that's and that kind of led into me doing the DMC stuff and I did the DMCs when I was actually I did the DMCs before I was 13 when I did the DMCs Wow, and, uh, that's Yeah, and I made and I made it to the finals in Boston, and A-Track was the judge. And I remember A-Track had to be, he was probably, I think he had just won the world champion. He was like 18 or 17. Um, and I was so starstruck by him, because he had like, I had seen all the videos of him at the DMCs. I like used to get the VHSs of the DMC battles and watch them.
1: Yeah, um, same, me too. <laughs> yeah,
0: and and he, uh, and he was like the goat, you know? And he was like a young kid, and he was so cool, and he was nice. And he actually did a drop for like my mixtape. I made like a CD, and he like, I sent him a blank tape and he sent it back with like a shout out with his little Montreal accent on there sounding all funny. Um, (laughs) It was, it was really good. And like, I don't know. It's just like, I, I was, I think the thing that really helped me was I was completely shameless about reaching out to people. I had no, to, to a fault sometimes, like I would just annoy people. Like whether it's trying to get some some rapper from like rapmusic.com to rap on my beat. I, I made like a whole album of like collaborations I did over the internet basically with all these rappers from who god knows where all these like kind of like wanna be atmosphere like white kids from from different places and very right. like underground rap style. I was very into like the backpacker stuff for a long time like that whole rhyme sayers and uh death and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I want I wanted to be like LP, you know. Um, totally. And and that, and that kind of just was like, that's kind of how I learned how to produce. Cause you, I was getting vocals back and I was learning how to structure a song. Like, I remember I could like name the people who taught me that like, Oh, bars, like verses should be 16 bars. You know, like then you, there's sometimes a pre-chorus and you should have a breakdown. The chorus should be eight bars. And you like, if you want, the vocals should be double. There's just these things that you learn that like, I didn't, that now you could just literally just sign up for a thing and someone teaches you that. But it just wasn't a thing that you could just like buy a book on at the time, you know, especially when it came to like hip hop production, it was such yeah. like this illustrious thing. I'd always listen to hip hop records and like trying to wrap my head around like, how do they do this? Like totally. <laughs> I have, I have an, I have an MPC, but my beats do not sound like high tech. <laughs> like, right. This is not what my shit sounds like. Uh And there wasn't really like, and I guess, you know, if you grow up in the Bronx or something, like you learn from your older brother who has one and they teach you, you know, or you're like, you're in the studio with people. And I yeah, was like, down in my the street, like, oh, my I'll boy play.
1: has this thing, or I see him, you right. know, that's how they yeah. truncate it or put the swing or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Like swing, I probably didn't learn until way too late in the game. There's just so much little stuff like that that I was like, damn, I just wish I had like a, someone to learn from. And then when I went to college in New York, I actually had this mentor. I signed up, I had a manager in Boston who was like a hip hop manager. He used to work at Koch Records. Who did like Dipset and uh, old, some of the old G-Unit stuff. And just like he managed all these rappers. He worked with like AZ and a lot of these old New York rappers, MOP. And uh, I'd go to the studio where all these guys worked. It was like the Koch studios. And there was this producer named Ill Will there, who not the Ill Will that you've heard from the Nas songs, different Ill Will. <laughs> uh, okay. He, yeah, but he's actually did a lot of the Camp Low stuff. Um, which oh. is awesome. That that album's amazing. And they actually shout him out in Luccini at the end. It will sip I'm a red uh, but he was like you yes. but he was a white he was a white dude from Boston, uh wow. older than me. Much much older than me. But like we had this relationship where I think he like saw a little bit of himself and me probably coming from where we came from. And I he was in Brooklyn and he's running the studio and he would bring me in on sessions. Because of him, I was in the studio with M O P. Nas, Dog Pound Gang, uh wow. uh Sheik Lu Loo- Luch uh styles all these new york legend rappers like cl smooth and all this shit i was like 17 18 years old and basically the intern um and i was just like geeking on these dudes like i would be in the studio with fame from mop he was making beats on the mpc i'd like find samples for him and and all this stuff and i got in the studio with high i got in the studio with high tech and lloyd banks from g-unit when he when high tech was doing all that unit stuff and i was just like bringing these beats in and, and and like And eventually I ended up making money off the internship because like some of the stuff that I'd work on with Will got placed and we did a Mob Deep record, like all this, this hip hop shit. But this was like in that era where everything was either on a mixtape or not. It was like, there were like, you'd you'd maybe get it on the album, on the CD, but CD sales were already dying because of Napster and all that stuff. And streaming hadn't started yet. Um, So I don't know. It was just like that weird time where I did a lot of stuff with Dipset too, like J.R. Ryder and those dudes. I did like one camera record and Hell Rail, all that stuff. It's like, I was just like in in the trenches on this like New York rap stuff. And it was really cool. It was like, my, as a kid from Vermont, you can imagine, or New Hampshire, I was just like losing it. Um, oh but my i wasn't God. making any like money. dream come true <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was just all clout and my parents were like so are you making money you're like no mom but i was with az you know who az is i was like no man <laughs> i don't know who az is <laughs> but it was like all my like, like you don't know a little fame happening. he's
1: like fire yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally um but it was like all that and i just like learned how to be around Because you know it's like kind of a lesson in just like being around rappers and not being like you know i was so so like anxious to do stuff, to try to show them beats. I'd like be like feel like I was gonna pass out playing the beats and watching their reactions is so stressful. Yeah. But um I uh yeah, and that was like the my first step into like learning how to really produce and make music.
1: That's and incredible. That's, that's so crazy. I mean thanks. and and it's really like, you know, it comes from where a lot of I think us DJs come from. You know, just loving the music totally and like loving DJs and a really fan. just play Playing that game of like figuring shit out, you know what I mean? Like that's what hip hop right. was all about back in the day. We were trying to figure out the sample. We were trying to figure out how they made the drums like that. How they, yeah, where, how they just made it sound like that and the scratches and like we would just sit right. there and try to figure out one sound, like how they make it go diddle dip it or like you know whatever yeah, that sound yeah, was, totally. the DJ Premier you know. scratches or all that. oh uh, Yeah, yeah. And so like. like I don't know. Yeah.
0: You just had that hustle mentality too. I I was still walking right. around New York City handing out flyers for my mixtape and like trying to leave leave things around for like, you know, doing like the real shameless promotion and like I'm so grateful for that time because I think it taught me yeah. probably patience like more than ever, yeah. you know. Um and like just to like kind of stick to something. But yeah, it felt like it felt like this like 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 this lesson in just is in being in a studio and lesson or being around artists. Um, obviously like old New York rappers are a special breed. It's not the same thing as working with like a pop star, right? but, uh, you just, you know, you just learn the game that way. And I, and from, from there I started DJing in New York as a day job and DJing got me into dance music a little more and electronic music and learning how to make people dance at the club. And I got a little burned by the hip hop stuff eventually just because I kept not getting paid. It was just like, you know, they'd take your beats and that whole story they'd use Mm. on mixtape. Or you just make a billion beats and like still not you you finally place one and you get like a thousand dollars and you're like, oh shit, this is it. This is like you don't get like this is you wouldn't get like publishing. You know what I mean? It's just like these like weird, like very like street deals. Um, right. and that kind of made me transition into doing our own thing in the city. And I we, you know, we opened a st- the story is long, but we opened a studio and we started developing. No, no, I want to know our it. So yeah,
1: it. yeah, because that's what I was wondering. Like, how'd you go from Cause you were, you know, you were, you wanted to be the backpacker. You wanted to be LP and company flow. And then (laughs) you were going in the battles and a track. And obviously there's so many different aspects to like look up to as a DJ and try to be, you know, and Mm. then you're very versatile with liking all the different types of music and, you know, punk and, and knowing all that stuff. And, you know, there were like rock bands that had DJs too. So I think there was different ways to look. Um, but yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, how you then went from that into the day job sort of day job of DJing where you just make money from it and then transition to actually like having your own studio in New York and uh, you know, meeting J Pat and like creating the Knox, and like, how did all that go down too?
0: So that was like after I was doing that hip hop stuff, I had met J Pat through a friend and we both needed roommates at the time. J Pat was already a hip hop producer. He was doing a lot of stuff. Um, just on his own, like same thing, where he grew up in kind of suburban. I mean, he's from the Bronx originally, but went to high school in Connecticut in the suburbs. So okay, um he also was pretty heavy on the forums and doing this stuff online and like trying to sell beats. We were both like trying to sell beats at the time on like SoundClick. I think was the yeah was the website <laughs> where you like okay sell beats for like four hundred bucks on on the internet and like. And we lived together and we were both like wanted to do this. We were both like doing individual production stuff on our own. And we started working together and that's kind of how we formed the Knox. And we started um, working with this like rapper from New York that we were kind of developing and did all the music for and released on our own and nothing really happened with that. And then I started DJing more and getting into the scene in New York a little bit. And I met this like cool New York singer kid named samuel who was like a born and raised new yorker who like kind of was a singer songwriter but kind of wanted to make more like i don't know how you describe it now it was almost like like postal service or something but like a little bit more cool a little bit more like beat based i don't know it's like that era of like very early 2000s where it's like everything was just kind of like indie pop vibe um yes and we developed him I say developed. I don't really like that word. I feel like it sounds like I'm like doing a science project. But like we worked with him, and (laughs) we all we we all kind of developed together. (laughs) And uh, yes, and we and I ended up managing him while also producing the music. And we got him a record deal at Columbia Records, like for like no money. But we got a deal, and we were like, "This is it. We made it. We got a fucking deal for our guy. We producing all the music. We sent us out to L.A. to work with Greg Wells, who did like the Katy Perry record and all this stuff. And then, long story short, he ended up getting dropped. And that didn't really pan out. So then my full time job was was DJing in New York. Um right. and I mean I loved it. It was just like as a twenty year old being a, a DJ in New York City, it was like it was that time when also like, you know, DJs were like it was like the AM era when like you were a rock star if you were like a cool DJ in New York City. It was just like such a cool time, you know. <laughs> it was like yeah. We were I was playing like four four or five nights a week at all those clubs. Um and I think I got pretty burnt out on it. I think I think I just like went too hard, and like, and then all of a sudden, I, at the end of the day, I always wanted to be a producer more than I wanted to be a club DJ. I loved club DJing. Um, I don't really think I spent, I didn't like practice ever or like spend time. Like for a while, it felt like oh, this is easy. I just naturally DJ. But then as I started getting bigger gigs and more important clubs, like you know the ones like you and Equal Play, where like I'd get up there and like Jesse Marco would be on after me, and he'd just be like flipping between songs so fast and i'd be like uh i like don't i'm not i'm just not that kind i'm not that kind of dj where i just kind of like stopped practicing that kind of stuff a little bit i think and i got a little over i got a little over my head in the club stuff and i started like butting heads with club owners because at the same time i had production stuff going on so i had this kind of ego where i felt like this guy can't tell me what to do like i'm like i'm just am just doing you know what i mean i don't know i just yeah
1: i'm not this dj and shit isn't my only thing like i can just you know i got other stuff going on and plans for the future and it's hard to deal with annoying club managers.
0: Yeah, I'd be for... like, yeah, but if you're really good, it's one thing. And I just like, and I, I'm not saying I was bad, but that's why I think playing dance music was better for me. Cause I'm just like, I'm more at setting the vibe and taking my time versus being really quick. And like, especially with, and I always, I feel like there was an era when I stopped listening to new rap music. And that's like, obviously hard when you're trying to DJ at top 40 clubs and I'm like still playing like ODB and they want the new Migos and I'm like I don't even know what that is like I'm just gonna play (laughs) Nas (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's actually that's something (laughs) I'm dealing with now like coming back from the pandemic where I'm like oh yeah holy shit like i was listening to holiday 87 the whole time and i'm out here they're like (laughs) you know (laughs) you gotta turn up like i did this party friday night in la and they were like oh it's a private party you know and i'm like okay is is there any other information like i show up and i just figure it's going to be like some background thing and they're like all right dj khaled and russell simmons and kevin lyles and all these people are about to walk oh, in you yeah. gotta turn up and they want all, and the president of the recording academy and she wants all new hip-hop <laughs> and i'm like what oh like i'm not ready for this yeah. and i'm playing and like you said i'm playing migos but that is like old now you know what I mean? so That's it's old like- now right yeah exactly and they're like nah, no you got to play like, you know poopy <laughs> yes exactly they were like you gotta put on nardo wick and the stiletto girls are like i don't even know it i'm like oh my god i'm trying to download and so yes I that's know, been a, crazy. a new or going to vegas or going to these events i did last month for these like snowboarders they want all new hip-hop and i'm like i don't even know the stuff
0: <laughs> well yeah that, and that was the most fresh because then we started the not the knox thing started me and jane like i'm putting out our own music when like hype machine days were happening we kind of just did it like we'd make yeah. these, we made a little dancer we made a little dance record that like didn't really fit because we were trying to at the same time we we just wanted to be producers like for other people we wanted to be like Doctor Luke right. or something we were like trying to pitch these big pop records we signed a publishing deal and we were going out to L.A. and doing those sessions all these writers being like Britney Spears needs something that it's like Cyndi Lauper but meets like trap but meets country and you're like what the fuck and it's like the whole <laughs> pitching the whole like pitching pop music thing was just such a lost cause and we just hated it um, really we just wanted to make like cool stuff because we because we weren't really those super producer types we just wanted to we still made like kind of weird indie stuff. Cause we were working with this right. kid and then on the other side we'd make like, I'd still be making like weird sample based stuff. And, uh, so we came back and like made a couple dance records, like these like weird kind of electronic things. And they took off on Hype Machine and SoundCloud at the time that was in SoundCloud was really like just popping. Like you put a song on, you get like 20,000 listens in a day if it was on Hype Machine. Right. And, and that yeah, got us, Hype Machine uh, was uh,
1: massive. I mean, that's how I would find out huge. about so many songs, blogs, everything. Yeah. And then it would just blow up, you know, you and then every yeah. DJ would have it or SoundCloud fan and stuff.
0: Yeah. And that, and that like got the Knock stuff going it was really because that we did all these remixes kind of like for free, pro bono, and just got them up on Hype Machine. And it got us a record deal with Interscope, um, which. It ended up not panning out well because they just like didn't know it was like maroon five and us and they're like we don't know what to do with you guys and it's we like we don't either <laughs> and we didn't know what we wanted we were just like we had that song dancing with the dj that kind of oh, sorry am i out of frame oh yeah no we had it's that all song good dancing with we had that song dancing with the dj that kind of took off internationally and like kind of just like got a yeah. bunch of plays on the internet and uh, and that was kind of it. And then they wanted us to make a whole album. We were like, we don't even know what we are. This was just like kind of a, it was like, we wrote Dancing with a DJ, like walking to the studio one day, like as a joke in the chorus of it. And like, it just kind of happened. So like, right. and then we tried to make a record and they were like, you should put Kesha on Dancing with a DJ. And we we're like, no. And then it just <laughs> like, it was just like, kind of the, that classic thing that like when you sign a nightmare record deal. Um, right. So that was why. Well, so I my, think
1: it's hard because you guys do have this, amazing sound that everybody likes but but it is specific too and you like to do your own thing so from a record label they're probably like we can turn this into something but right, you're exactly. like no you know and your sound yeah. I mean I've played some of your records before for people that don't know it and they'll keep dancing and I feel like that's like a big deal like that's you know like time. or like <laughs> yeah. that I remember that <laughs> why well because a lot of times even if it's like you know, a famous artist like, and they they'll you'll play it, and they're like, "No, we don't like this." But right. like that that song you guys have with Wyclef, I feel like was oh, yeah, uh, kiss yeah, I kiss this guy.
0: I could play that
1: breath. at like bottle service clubs in the middle of my set, and like people would it just had such a good feeling, and like people would keep going and dancing, and oh yeah, I think it was like unknown pop or something, you know? So that's probably why right. the record labels were well, like, that,
0: yeah. Cause yeah, they didn't work. know where to put us. Cause we, d- we didn't fit with like the super pop obvious stuff. Then we didn't fit with like the really cool underground stuff. We were kind of like in this weird right. in between, which we still kind of live in that space. <laughs> but like, that's <laughs> always kind of been the, the double edged sword. It's like, I don't know. It's like we get very, it's great because we're very accessible, but at the same time we don't get, we're like kind of just like floating in this
1: middle ground. <laughs> Right. But, but even that, that sound deals, like, now is like cool. I feel like the new Miley Cyrus right. and like Rita Ora and like album. Right. Harry Styles. All I mean, like thing. all of it is reminiscent of what you guys have been doing forever. I feel like, in a way. Yeah. You know,
0: I think a lot of people are going back to that kind of era of stuff where it's like, uh, I think pop dressed up a little cooler. Um, yeah. But that's why I had to keep DJing too, is because like we weren't really making money as the Knox. So I got like a record deal, and that kind of wore off. So me and J Pad still had to do these DJ gigs, and that's when I really started getting the ego, because like we go play a show at a college for like ten thousand kids and make like some good money, but we weren't getting as many of those. So I'd still have to go do like a club here and there, and right. then when the club guy started telling me what to do, I was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, bro, like I am past this. Like I can go yes. DJ on my own. We have, I put on music, you know. And the, <laughs> the final straw was I DJed a. Uh, up and down in new york city remember that place i'm sure you played there. yes yeah yeah uh, and the d and the guy i don't even remember, i don't remember name any names but the guy came up to me just like nah bro you gotta turn it up you gotta turn it up i'm bringing another dj i'm gonna bring in another dj you gotta i just wasn't giving a shit i was like just here with my friends being like there's a free a way to get free booze i'm gonna do this gig and i ended up being like okay yeah cool and i pulled the fucking usb or i pulled my <laughs> serato out and I yes. think I pulled the power on the mixer or something, and I just cut the play. I think I no, I took the head, I took the headphones out and plugged it in the you know in the microphone thing, and I killed the music and, and said parties over over the speakers, and pulled all the mu- and pulled the sound, and like half oh my the club God. walked out, and they, they they thought like the the club was done, but it was like still like one a.m. or twelve thirty or something. Um, and the guy got so mad. I just walked out and he's like, you're never coming. I was like, yeah, no, she'll never come back here, bro. Fuck you. Like,
1: you but that down, was like, like ah.
0: my last straw.
1: Yeah. hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. Just play that and you're yeah. out. That's, yo. that's amazing. I love that story. And, um, that's a perfect ending to all those people talking shit to you. You know what I mean? And you not <laughs> yeah, just being exactly. like, I can't deal with this. I'm out. <laughs> No, I I've, I've I've done that too. I've also pulled the USB and ended the night and got oh, yeah. in a massive argument with uh I feel like the best DJs club. all have a
0: story of walking out. Yeah. There, you got I mean, to hit yourself that sometime. moment.
1: Yeah, it's just yeah. like also why do they talk Some, to us like that? You know what I mean? It's like, come on guys, if no, you're listening to this podcast, you don't need to speak to us like that. <laughs> you know, it was like that even you like know. you were saying happened to me recently too where and they kept saying this girl was like, "Yeah, no, you need to make it lit," and I was like, "What?" And she goes, "You need to make it lit." And I go, "Well, what? Like, artists or songs or genres? Are you thinking of? Yeah. You know?" And she's like, <laughs> "As if there's just I'm a button that's make gonna make
0: em... everyone in the room just have fun all of a sudden, like, right. no matter what song. Sometimes the vibe. Sometimes it's not your fault. It's like the vibe isn't right. It's like also like like I said, I just feel like clubs, yeah. the environment in clubs is different now than it used to be too. I just feel like right. I don't know. I just I haven't been to a club where I." felt the same i'm also just older but i just don't feel that <laughs> yeah. same like fire in the clubs like i used to i don't know it's weird yeah like and even at these don't... events
1: like we know oh, especially I like those human <laughs> psychology uh, you know like like people are like yeah. they're not just gonna dance because you put on like avici you know what i mean you're like right. here we go boom and they're all dancing like they're humans nah. they want to talk drink they need to lead up to it you know you play some funky music and then like get them going but like Yeah, sometimes the people there just have a false impression of how it works. You know, and they're like, do this. (laughs) You know, she was like, make it lit, but don't. I'm not saying twerking lit, but lit. I'm like, oh, not twerking lit, but lit. Okay. So here's the
0: meter of lit and twerking lit, different (laughs) kinds of lit.
1: (laughs) <laughs> damn you're making it twerk and lit you, you, you that's way too much <laughs> i was like all right and then i had been djing for two hours and she comes up like, where was this the whole time and i'm like this was happening the whole time but the crowd is different now it's not me trust <laughs> yeah. me yeah you know? they've had
0: some drinks like they're having fun now like yeah
1: wow. that's that's, that's how it works um all right well sorry to interrupt the story but yeah so that's yeah. uh that's you know, incredible way yeah, to end uh, your your bottle service DJ career and just go full <laughs> yeah. force into the knocks. <laughs> yeah,
0: and then yeah, and then from there, kind of like we made. Really, the turning point was making that song classic,
1: um, and which is a classic. I will deal. say, dude, oh, I play that song. All it, t- it takes all balls the to make a song time.
0: called Classic and help it that, <laughs> that it does
1: well. <laughs> it really does. It really does. But that song is so dope, dude. Like, there's just. It's a classic, but it's it's so funky. Like, I love everything about it. Like, just the counting right, is dope just from a DJ yeah. perspective because I can scratch it a million right. times. And <laughs> I take, like, the, f- the one, two, three, and the hey, and I could like, bring it in. And, right. and just, like, the bass line and the drums and the vocals. And, like, I don't know. Everything right, about man. that is just, like, a perfect song to me. And just, like, I can i've never gotten sick of it like no matter what if i'm listening alone or if i'm playing it at a gig um it's just such a good song and i feel like even when people don't know it like it's the kind of song they can just walk around the party like bobbing their head like i'm feeling good right now like it's like yeah it's it's funny it's funny how many people
0: know this song it's funny how many people know the song but definitely don't know who made it's like one of those songs like we've never been one of those artists to put ourselves out there really like as these like we don't like do the chain smokers thing where we didn't like put our faces everywhere and like push right. kind of just like are more about always been more about just making the records. And, and that song got so big. It was like, it was such an instant thing with that record where it That's still crazy. was also, it was like kind of pre streaming, like Spotify wasn't really crazy yet. Yeah. So it came out at a, it came out at a weird time where like it was still hype machine and SoundCloud and people buying stuff on iTunes. So like, I feel like if it had been on Spotify, it would have really, it could have gone like really gone the distance um yeah but but it feels like it's, it's like weird kind of underground not underground but like people know it everywhere but even if they don't know it they like hear it and they're like oh i know this song and then like they'll but not everyone would be like oh it's the night they just know they just such a right. familiar riff or something they know it from like yeah. the cult commercial or just they've heard it out before um and it's and it's a yeah, and that kind of yeah, changed totally. everything for us. That got us a record deal with with Atlantic, which was the deal that now we just finished, which was like ten years. Um, wow, that's amazing. And that made a couple. And so of... So, how happens. did
1: that record like come about? Like making it, and then yeah, what happened from when you put it out? That was off on
0: our LA trip, and we were
1: working on.
0: We had just got dropped from Interscope, and we were like in this weird like, oh, what do we do? We don't know. Let's go right in LA. Um, and our friends Powers were Mike, the guy from Powers. Um, uh was a new yorker and we knew him from from the earlier days like when we worked with that kid samuel he would work with us right he and it was actually like an extra day we had we weren't even planned and of course it's always happens this way we just like stopped by his studio and like we just like ended up jamming and coming up with the the piano part and the guitar part and the main chorus and we're like well this feels like something and then the rest we kind of went and finished it in new york and went back and forth a little bit with him but it was one of those things it's like always it's the same thing dancing with a dj we wrote it walking down the street classic happened probably in a span of two hours the main part of it it's like the best shit always just happens a when you're not expecting it and B, yeah when you're like not trying <laughs> you know it's like yeah like every like, time like, don't you let like your brain go with someone
1: screw yeah. you over by like overthinking your way totally. out of shit in the same way your holiday totally. 87 mix like i mean uh album sorry you, you know it was like yeah, totally. i'm just gonna do this and put it out and it ends up being something you can listen to infinitely really yeah. because you didn't like yeah. overthink it and like you know, tinker with it too much, I guess. Exactly. And there's so, yeah, scratches was, and in the classic too, right? I love hearing that little. There ch- are classic, yeah. The cuckoo <laughs> classic.
0: That's actually from a NAS sample. Your dog is Oh, like
1: it
0: a, is. That's oh, yeah. We got animals on this uh, podcast. 20- you know. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't clear that. <laughs> the,
1: the, the, I was. I the thought it was J Pat. <laughs> I thought maybe you took J Pat's voice. I think and a then, lot of people do. Cause it kind of sounds you know like the song. It,
0: it's from. It's from that. Not remember when he did that like Reebok classic song. Do you remember that? Oh wow! It was like it was like it was like Nas and some random other rappers it was like a total like commercial like weird song. And I found my acapella and that's and we pitched it down obviously. But yeah, that's what that's from.
1: Yeah, it's like
0: I was psyched to have a scratch in there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. I heard that. That's what makes me like it even more—the little scratch in there. I'm like, yes. Yeah, I'm working on
0: some <laughs> new stuff with my buddy, and it's like it's way back in that DJ Shadow kind of vein, and I've been scratching. Now I got my studio built downstairs and I got like the turntable set up to my I never really had them set up to like my rig. They're always kind of like speaker, just like jam and stuff. But now I have them set up and I'm just like, does this need scratches? I'm always like, does this need scratches? I'm like back into scratches on songs. I feel like it's like, it's like a, I don't know. I could see it like coming back in records, especially on like the cool, like kind of beat driven stuff, you know, like the avalanches kind of stuff. You kind of want to hear the scratches. And I went and listened to Chuck Your Head by the Beastie Boys the other day. And I just forgot how much scratching there is on those records. Like and it's so cool. The it's like best. so well done. It, yeah, it's oh, incredible. The best.
1: I mean, it was like you said, that's what got me into all that too. Like I was listening to all that, you know, a lot of the same story you told basically, but listening to Check Your Head was like, What the hell? There's I mean, so much the DJ production shit on, on that here. stuff
0: is insane though. It's just like you listen to that, it's like, how did they make this? I don't know. Those guys yeah. were just ahead of their so ahead of their time. They were crazy.
1: And then that cause I hadn't even heard Paul's boutique until after check your head and then someone's like no you gotta hear the album before and i went back i was like what the hell is this you know and then yeah that final track yeah. with all the songs put together it was almost like a dj set right there and it was just like yeah blew my mind
0: fun fun fact our our studio that we we found in chinatown like the first one that we got when we were like broken shit uh was we didn't know this, but three years into it, I was watching an old Yo MTV raps and it was with the Beastie yeah. Boys. And they go, and they're with uh, Cool Herc or someone like that. And they bring them down and they bring them down to this, this Chinatown street and they go, This is where it all started, our first studio and apartment. And they're standing outside of our studio. And they're like, what? We started in the basement here. We used to live here. So our first studio was oh literally God. on the same floor, same building as the Beastie Boys. And it's 55 Christie, which was, they had a song called, there's like a secret song on Paul's Boutique yeah. called 55 Christie. And that and that was this address of our studio on the same floor that they even they tell these stories about living there and like how they had their first studio there and their rehearsal space um, yeah. and yeah that was our first studio. so I feel like I owe my whole career to the juju of the Beastie Boys being in that space
1: <laughs> for sure and that's do. why we
0: our, our our first album the first Knox album was called Fifty Five um, like really homage to oh.
1: that building yeah that's great yeah when you say that address I just know it. remember from being a teenager reading it on the right. you know the yeah Beastie Boys yeah. thing like I don't know what this means but. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Anything they did was cool. Anything. You know, yeah, same. I would go to New York and find that corner. Like, oh, my God, this is crazy. That's on right. the album. That's so dope. Where are
0: you from originally again?
1: Uh, I'm from here. I'm from L.A. Oh, you I'm, are from that's here. Where I, okay, am right I didn't now.
0: know. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah like I grew that. up, okay. you know, born and raised L.A. I have, you know, connections to New York. Like, my parents are from New York, and I just love it and feel like okay. my – I don't know. My blood is from there, but uh, yeah, grew up right. here and just have gone to New York a bunch of times through my life and right. love it out there. And just from DJing and hip hop and music. And, you know, like you said, I got to go right. out when I was a teenager and be like, oh my God, I'm at Fat Beats. And You know, just trying oh to my God, take yeah. it on. I remember going
0: to Fat Beats for the first time. I got like my photo in front of it, like <laughs> <laughs> standing in front of Fat Beats.
1: Yeah. The place like was the- amazing. Oh yeah, I'd go in there all nervous, like okay, I can't, you know, I gotta act like I know everything about everything. <laughs> totally,
0: yeah. And it was such a thing—the whole hip hop and that whole like energy of like being a hip hop head in the early 2000s or late 90s. It's like it was such a funny thing, like especially as like a white kid, like suburban yeah. kid. You're just like, you—it was that. It was walking into a record store and being like, "Keep it cool." <laughs> like,
1: yeah, you like know what I mean, like yeah. <laughs> like 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 you sup- you act like you know everything even though you know nothing and you totally try yeah. not to be yourself
0: and you <laughs> act so tough yeah and like <laughs> right i remember trying to doing the dmcs and like trying to plug my headphones in and my hand was shaking so much i couldn't even like <laughs> plug my, i was so nervous oh my i was God. like oh this is insane I was like, they don't That's teach nuts. you that to, to practice, but when I'm practicing my six minute routine a billion times yeah. to like account for your hand shaking the whole time, I was trying to put the right. needle
1: on and I was literally just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like so bad. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I mean, th- that is true though. That's what I always say. Like you could practice as much as you want, but once you're there, it's so different with the crowd in front of you and the time totally moves different. faster. Like everything moves way faster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird, yeah.
0: I, after that one competition, I was like, I don't need to do this anymore. This is not, I don't like com- competitive music. This is a weird no. feeling.
1: Same. I'm yeah. like, I like scratching and I like all the elements of it, but I don't want to be in the competition. Like, it's too much. No.
0: And people took it so serious. Those DMCs were such like an intense thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so... Do they, do they still so, do the DMCs?
1: Yeah, but I think they did it online um, through the pandemic. Okay. And then... I don't know. <laughs> I think they, they uh, I know they have, have like different, know, they have
0: like not, they now have it for like producers and like finger drumming and like all the different elements and like all the different stuff. It's not as, it was such a big thing for a while. Like they, we did it at BB B. King. It was like a huge show. I don't think they do it at a venue that big nowadays, probably.
1: Right. I think, yeah. And I think it became very worldwide with the pandemic, you know, with the internet and being able to compete on yeah. there and, Maybe they have an in-person and online. I don't know. Sorry, DMCs. Yeah. Uh, but I know they're still <laughs> doing it. And I know, like, some of the people winning have been, like, you know, young women, like, have been winning, which is oh, pretty fire. dope to see. Yeah, like, yeah. they're, like, young teenage girls, like, that are killing all these I, dudes. I, yeah,
0: I love when I see videos on Instagram of, like, some viral video of some, like, little kids scratching on vinyl on, like, a normal, like, twelve hundred. 1200s. Like, I'm glad people are still... It's not all yeah. just like Serato and fucking CDJs and or sticks. It's like it, it feels like there's still a, a thing there, you know. Just cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and so like you know, talking about like the 55 Christie and all that stuff. Like, so was that um, you know, you guys eventually at Heavy Rock Studios? Was that the same place or?
0: Yeah, that was that was the the first form of it. It's been through three versions. So there was that. The first one was the BC Boys basement thing. And then we moved up to the top floor of that same building, which was a little nicer and bigger. Uh, And we were there for like seven years or something. And then only in the past five years, we opened one. We moved it to Lafayette Street in Soho, which is where we were up until the pandemic. And then um, we passed it it on to some friends. It's still there. um, And it's great because it's still like the kid who runs it now was the old intern of that first space in the basement. So it's very like... It's all very uh family still affair. In family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so it's great. But it, but yeah, you know, running a studio, we when we first ran it, we couldn't afford to keep it, so we had to rent it out to people. Um we couldn't just use it for ourselves because we had to pay rent. Right. So we'd like through my manager that I had that worked with all those rappers, he'd rent it out for all these rappers. The characters that came through here. I have photos, but it's like we had like fifty cent was in there, Eric B. Uh, uh wow. what's his name? Um Nicki Minaj was in there when she was first with Dipset. Remember she was like, remember she used to be down with Dipset? Like that she was discovered by the A&R of Dipset, which is a weird fact that people don't know. And she was like I didn't Dipset know that. affiliate at first. Yeah. And she wow. came in, I, there's a photo of her in there that like, she's not even recognizable, like Spank Rock, all these like people of that era. And we like, and we'd rent it out for them, but it was, and it was great. But then like, yeah. we would barely get our own time. Cause we just like, need to pay the rent. So then like, We'd go in like like at like really late at night or the next morning and use it, you know. Um, but and then that got exhausting because it felt like we were running a business more than like having a creative space for ourselves. We'd be in yeah. there like sweeping up blunt guts from MOP the night before and like <laughs> cleaning up cleaning up like oh emptying beers and all this shit. Yeah, it was like you know it's like it was like running a business and we had the whole thing and it got a little stressful I think and kind of let itself go. Once we started touring more and trying to let other people look after it, just became this like. It was tough. So then, finally, when we when we switched to the new spot, we were like, "We're not going to rent this out. We don't need to rent this out anymore. We can," and we instead we like share it with a couple, like another producer friend, you know, um, right? Versus just like we used to like really try to rent it out. We'd like have it listed up on like Craigslist and flyers and like studio space. You know what I mean? Like wow. really tried yeah. to rent it like a studio. But then, like the era of studio spaces kind of died. Like all those same people that would come in just to record over a beat, like some rapper, can now just do that in their bedroom. Obviously. Yeah, um, the, you doing know, their like iPhone the studio, something. the studio business is a little, yeah, the studio business is like not such a great business these days. Like the old school idea of like a studio, right. um, you so almost have so to have like the most home.
1: insane studio ever or something that they, right. Done. It's
0: almost more for the vibe. Yeah. Especially nowadays. It's like, if you just want a room to
1: bring all your friends into. Right. Um, and so you guys, uh, the Knox have a new album or um, your most recent one is, uh, called history. <laughs> um correct what um what's the deal with that (laughs) you know like when did you guys come out with that are you gonna like you know you're touring around and promoting it or
0: yeah we uh that that was what we were working on when i saw you last when we had that we rented this house in la and basically built a little like makeshift studio there um yeah
1: that was and it was like great vibes
0: it was yeah it was like a porn star house in the hills or something it was (laughs) was amazing it's funny because we because we also knew it was like our last album with the major label and i we kind of had a feeling that we didn't really want to sign to a major label again after this so we were kind of like let's just like do it and like go to la and get this like gross porn star house and just like have friends over (laughs) and do that whole thing uh and it was great and it actually ended up working so much better than in the past when we've gone to like work at atlantic studios or we get an airbnb and go to a studio every day because like we were living in it it felt like and like People just came right. to us and we had our own little zone um, and that's where he made most of the record, at least the, the main singles we all, we did there. We had one with Teed and Muna and Foster the People and stuff and they all came there and we did it there. And then the pandemic happened like right when we were wrapping. So the timing was kind of good cause we got all these things right. started and then we were like locked away to work on them on our own, which was fine. And then we had to do a few more songs remotely. But the main thing was that we didn't really want to release the whole album during a pandemic, during the pandemic, we wanted to wait, which was cool because it gave us a lot of time to really sit on everything, which usually I feel like in the past, we've always been like, go, 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 the song's done, like finish it, let's get it out. Now we had all this time to like reflect and be like, you know what? I think we could make this verse better. I think we could, the drums could be better on this. And like that can get dangerous because you could just keep working on something until you destroy it. So there's like, there's a, there's, but i think at the point where we're at with our ears like i trust ourselves enough to take time with stuff but it was nice to like sit on it it's also it's almost less about um like the product like tweaking because i feel like you get the majority of stuff done in that first bulk of work it's more about like have sitting on stuff that long makes you um realize if the song has lasting power even just as the core of a song not even just like oh the drums could smack part it's like the core of the song, the songwriting itself. Like there are certain songs that I find myself keep going back to that. I kept wanting to listen to, like that I could just tell I wasn't sick of yet. And then I'd find myself skipping right. other songs, Like, You know what? Maybe that song's not right. If, if I'm sick of this one already and it's only yeah. been this long, what if you, you kind of put yourself in the listener's chair for a bit. You like go away and don't listen to it for a month and a half and then act like you're a listener, you know? Um, yeah. Which was nice. And now I kind of want to make all our records that way, like really take our time, um, and yeah, now we, we did a tour around it. It was great. Live touring is really tough right now, obviously. Um, right. Just, it was just a weird time for trying to bring a whole crew around a tour bus. It was expensive, um, but it was fun. I'm glad we did it. It was kind of like uh, touring during after the pandemic is just weird, especially with live instruments and, and the whole crew and all that stuff. It's just, unless it's almost like you either have to be touring on a really small scale yeah, um, or DJing or be really massive it's like the people in our level where we're kind of in between playing the 1000 cap rooms one to two thousand cap rooms were the ones that are kind of getting screwed because you don't make enough money off tickets to make even if you like we saw our whole tour was basically sold out and we still ended up we made a little bit of money but like the bottom like we still you know you lose money initially then merch and whatever brings you back but like we didn't make much money it's just like weird to 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 think that like we just sold out a tour of a thousand cap plus rooms and, and we're and everyone, like, I feel like your friends are like, Oh, you're rich. You just did a solo tour. It's like, no, we actually like had to pay to do that, which is such a weird <laughs> thought that that's the thing. You don't it's think so of that weird. when you're a kid, you're like, Oh, if you're playing a sold out room, you're rich, you're a rock star. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's like, it's not the case. We make more money playing some, obviously, you know, like some corporate gig when no one's watching and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, that's so crazy, it's tough, though. But like, so,
1: I mean, and there's no yeah. way to make it monetarily work. Like, like, there
0: There is, but then it takes away from, you know, it's like if we wanted to just go up there with me and J-Pat and like a laptop and like start to make it just DJing, cool, but we've just kind of held the standard for having a full live show now. Like, yeah. we don't have a band. It's still just two of us, but we have a lot of stuff up there. We have like LED wall visuals. So it's like all that stuff really adds up, especially now post-pandemic with the supply chain and, and that whole thing and like just inflation in general. Like the touring right. costs have gone up. Um, people who weren't touring for all pandemic crew members and stuff raised their rates cause they need to make back the money they lost, which is fair and they deserve it. Um, yeah, but it was fun and it, and it felt like, it almost felt like, I mean, yeah, it felt like another life after coming from the pandemic, being back on a tour bus and like doing that. I was like, man, I for, I haven't done this. And so it felt like a different person, you know?
1: Right. Um, yeah. And you've toured in fun. many different, um, levels, right? I mean, you guys toured with Justin totally. Bieber for a while. Um, so that's yeah, that probably really one of wild. the biggest budget <laughs> tours there is. I can, I would imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That I mean, was and that was
0: the same thing we were doing live, but we were lucky because we we had the same management at the time. We were with Scooter, so he okay. gave us fees that made it so we didn't lose money. Um, oh, and you were lucky. kind of
1: part of that tour, so it was like built in, right. in a way where you yeah. weren't paying for but the that tour was bus crazy. and everything.
0: Exactly. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. that so,
1: that must have been like uh, yeah just the, that was a once in
0: a lifetime thing we uh <laughs> we yeah, did three months in europe and wow. uh it was like 20, 20 to fifty thousand cat cap rooms <laughs> uh, oh my god and we're going how was out the there response the biggest like pop star in the world yeah that's the thing like i like, like, opened up
1: <laughs> <laughs> were Were people like so into weird. it like was it good vibes or yeah, was it different everywhere yeah, it
0: was like it was different i think half half like it luckily for us the crowds i think were just especially in europe like they just love beaver yeah. so much that anyone on that tour could have gone up there and played right. and they would have been like ooh you're, you're like they yeah. to to the un, to the untrained person that means like if we're on stage opening before Justin Bieber we're best friends with Bieber probably which we are not
1: but yes. we like we're you know what
0: I mean like but they think right. it's all like this so whole them, thing you're
1: all sleeping in the same bed that night and <laughs> right, right right sharing but, jelly beans it was beans.
0: fun and like the, the the crowds were great but I think at the end of the day I don't think we even got that many fans off it which is like always the case when I've heard people opening for these huge pop acts like, I got a friend open for Katy Perry and a friend open for like Pink or something and like everyone I talked to it's always like yeah it was a good experience it was fun and big crowds but like you don't really find that like i just don't think people like little kids that listen to their joseph bieber fans go to like discover new music you know what i mean um right but i think there are levels of tours like that for certain people that like would have connected more you know and i think there are fans of i think now the fandoms are getting a little bit more interested in that like if you know if, like the younger fans of a band like the 1975 or like taylor swift or Whatever I just think at that moment, Bieber was just the big. It was during the Purpose Tour, like that. Sorry was the biggest yeah. song in the world. That whole thing, it was just like all they want. They were just there with blood on their lips for Justin Bieber. It was like <laughs> crazy. Um, oh my god. god! But it was it was quite an experience. Like we have kids showing up with the, outside the hotel room just because they knew we were there. because so We post a photo, and even though they thought we were like they just like we've never felt that kind of way before. It was like we we're this like DJ duo from New York City opening for the biggest pop star in the world playing like dance records and like doing synth solos and shit and like <laughs> it's just like yeah, it was incredible. such a weird fit but yeah and i wouldn't i would never trade it i mean it was like i like, got to see every part of europe and shit and it was cool um right but i really don't think we walked away with that many with that many fans we got a lot of followers there's a difference between fans and followers but we got a lot of like there's a big difference right? followers yeah, and then I, I mean, think I think that's an just, interesting... They're dripping away as time goes on. <laughs> they're unfollowing the f- slowly. <laughs> all, the, all the Bieber kids that yes. followed us.
1: <laughs> that, same. That's happened to me with Blink-182. I opened for them for three. years. Oh, and I half forgot months.
0: you did that. Yeah. Holy and shit. it was the
1: same thing where everybody's, you know, they think you're best friends with like every person in the band and they're like just waiting for the band. You know what I mean? So they're kind of like right. enduring you. You know what I mean? Maybe there'll be some people exactly. that like you. And then they follow you to see what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. and you're just like, I'm trying to get you going. This is so tough, you know. And I was like the first opener. It was like I would open, and then there was like two other bands, and then them. So it was like there was a lot going on. Uh, But yeah, same kind of thing. And I would be like, oh, I got so many followers. But then you'd notice, yeah, they're slowly dropping off, or they don't care, unless you're posting something with like Mark Hoppus or Travis Barker. They're like right for you
0: <laughs> so did you enjoy the experience overall though like you happy you did it
1: yes i enjoyed it happy i did it also 100% like you were saying learning experience um right it, it, it you know it was it was like so many things happened it was so much fun it was once in a lifetime it was incredible But, um, yeah, if I were to go back, I would sort of rethink the way I approached it a little bit, uh, maybe focus on my merch a little bit more. Like, (laughs) I didn't realize you make that much money off merch. Like, they would go and, like, do the show. And, yeah, you think, okay, they're selling out a show of 30,000 people. They're probably making, like, a million dollars. But it was the merch table that was making the million dollars. You know, it was like, that was everything else they had to pay for the pyro and the big sign and the people to set up the That's thing people and the don't realize. Buses and the, a, yeah it was crazy you know people don't so, know that
0: shit and it's like yeah
1: yeah yeah it, yeah it's
0: tough also with like djs and dance music right now because it feels like it's like it's this like crazy pissing contest of who can have the most like cirque du soleil ass show now it's like I don't know. I remember going to electronic shows in New York early days and seeing like Simeon Mobile Disco or like Too Many DJs, LCD and shit. And like, it was just them up there with like the, the cans that were built into the venue. And maybe they had like some strobes. Yeah. And that was it. Like no one was doing that. I mean, and like, I, and I'm not knocking people who do the big production. I'm sure if we could do it, we'd do it. But like, now you have bands like Odessa and like, like Cascade and these like, these huge live electronic acts with these shows that are just like, it's like a fucking avatar going on behind them. And it's like, it's like, how do you, and it's like, how do you compete with that? And like, you're trying to like, and it's become the norm. So when people go to a dance show or electronic music, especially they're expecting to, to have some stimulation visually or, or something. Um, Yeah. But they don't understand how much money that fucking costs to do that stuff. Exactly. And it's like, and it's tough, but you have to do something or else you kind of like feel like you're washed or like you can't keep up. So it's like it's, it's tough. I can't imagine like I am so grateful that we started when we did and have been around this long because, uh, you know, being a new artist is in 2023, I think is harder than it's ever been. Um, yeah. You know, or musician or I mean, DJ, anything. There's just so many of everyone <laughs> doing everything that like. Getting your foot right. in any kind of door right now seems so tough. Even though there's like, yeah, everyone's like, oh, but now you can go on TikTok and go viral and blow up. It's like, but even that's not working anymore for people and like that's getting oversaturated. It's right. just tough. And it's like, especially trying to make let alone like one thing to build a following, but let it to make money as a musician. It's just like it's tough. I'm producing this new artist named Juliana Madrid, who's this incredible singer-songwriter, and yeah, and she's so fucking good and, and the songs are great. And I think if it had been 10 years ago, she'd be so massive by now, but like we are fighting through these waves of like, just trying to make noise with everything going on. It's just hard, let alone like have her make some money. That's like, forget about it. It's like, like, I hope you do in the next five years. (laughs) Like, good luck. It's tough. You know, it's just,
1: yeah. It's it's like, you have to have this, like, like, I don't know, just, you know, nest egg, ready to go. If you want to become a musician Literally. nowadays, like to do it, because so even hard. if you yeah. become famous, you're not rich. And for and the other that's weird the, thing is that the thing. You see all these people that are famous, and you don't know who the hell they are, and they seem rich too. And you're like, wait, and they <laughs> yeah. do music, and you're like, how's this working? You know, and they're like, I got yeah. forty Bentleys and houses, and you're like, but I just heard of you, like none of this makes sense, yeah. you know. And then you know other yeah. artists that have won grammys and produce some of the biggest albums and they're like yeah i've got a toyota corolla and i'm paying off my you know like a studio apartment it's such a weird thing i i i still don't understand a lot of it you know like a lot of it's smoke and mirrors yeah
0: it's so much smoke and mirrors and that's that thing it's like people who don't know like see you play a big show and they're like oh they're rich there's they made it or like you have so many instagram followers and you know they're rich it was definitely a waking up point for me when i went to la after the whole like instagram phase and i held i hung out with some people that are like influencers or people with like half a million instagram followers and found out that they were broke as shit it's like oh so you're not rich off that like it's like i don't know it's just it's hard to squeeze money out of anything right now um so i'm just you know we're grateful that we can like make a living off what we do and like my advice to anyone out there now is just to put shit out If if you're making music you know, it's like, we, we do pretty well because we've been putting out music for so long. So like our royalties and our, our collective streaming has just built up so much over the years that now it's like at a point where it's like substantial income. It's like, it's just, um, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, it's almost, it, it's tough. Cause I say that, but I also hate that everyone's just putting everything out all the time and it's like, there's too much <laughs> stuff coming out. So it's like a double-edged sword, but like, I get it because you kind of have to right now. Right. Um, to to make any kind of money you can't like be precious like these bands that are going like there's these a lot of these like big indie rock bands or indie whatever bands that i mean maybe rappers too i think rappers are really good at putting stuff out more consistently but bands will like like even like phoenix or something they'll go away for like six years to work on their new record and then be like here we are again and you forget how much people forget about you over five years now it's like if you're gone that long forget about it you got you almost have to like start over again it's like right and then you spend all this time on a record for four years it's like it's it makes you feel like you can't be precious about things anymore, but you still, I don't know, it's its like a, I, this is like, that's like my biggest.
1: Right. Like, like you term, want to care about fight. it and give it the respect and the time it deserves and exactly. put in the, all the, the quality work that you would normally put in, but you also want to get it out and just keep moving and keep pushing because exactly. everything moves such a fast pace and everybody's being bombarded with everything constantly from a tv show and a movie and a and a song and a you know it's just like endless yeah. shit and old songs like a Fleetwood Mac song will blow up bigger than any yeah. new song and you're like oh okay yeah. well I do like that song but that's also 47 yeah. years old but that's cool like it's, it's nothing stuff like that gives me like hope. ABBA, yeah you know
0: yeah, stuff like that gives me hope. At least in like great songs, like a great song is forever. Like when you see yes. that happen, like I maybe I'm like I'm in the back of my head, I'm, like maybe maybe in like ten years, classic will like hit well, the radio. That was what I was out. just
1: gonna say. Was that classic's <laughs> gonna end up blowing up like in five, ten more years, and on TikTok yeah. or whatever the new TikTok is, and you're like, boom, there right. we go, baby. Like yeah. that's so the good like, thing about it's... making the classic music. You know what I mean? And and I think right. that's a good thing about trusting your gut, putting your true heart and soul into the music, whether it feels pointless totally. at the time or not down the yeah. line, it's going to pay off. Yeah. You know, um, you got to just
0: stick. And that, and that's my main thing. It's like, I mean, we've had such a slow climb, you know, it's like, we've been doing this yeah. shit for so long. We just got a Grammy nomination. We just had probably our biggest year of releases in the past two years after 10 years of doing this. And
1: that's so many crazy. people,
0: so many people just like kind of give up too soon. I think, you know, or there, especially nowadays. It's like, Oh, I didn't I didn't go viral on my third song. I'm gonna now be I'm gonna do a fashion, I'm a fashion designer now. I'm not a musician anymore. I like switch right, it up. Right. Or like I'm gonna completely change my sound or whatever. It's like, nah, if you like you gotta stick to your shit. And like it's that whole if you build it, they will come thing. And I, I, I truly believe in that. And that's like obviously yeah. you gotta make money. So like I I just read that Rick Rubin book and the thing he said, he's like, make some of that stuff is a little too floofy for me, but when he was like, make stuff that you like that you love don't make it for someone else and if you need to get a job in the meantime get a fucking job <laughs> like yeah because like it's gonna be better in the long run to make stuff that you love that you think is good than trying to make someone else because you're just gonna be running in circles um right doing that you know what i mean yeah it's, it's like, so
1: true yeah it's like the validation. it, it just took me a want while the validation now like they want the fast validation right. like well people don't like it i don't know what to do and at the end of the day i mean you should be ha- like how you made your solo project and you were happy with it and you put it out and you made it for yourself in a way and like yeah. that should be the end thought process and I expected think.
0: nothing from it and then I put out another right. holiday single and that one has like six million plays now and like one of those songs off that album that came out what three years ago now is like is like starting to stream more and like it's a slow thing and people are discovering it and it's like that's all I could ask for and it's like I, I right. made the best thing I could and and you know I'm lucky to be in a place where I can afford to do that. Um, but I don't know. Right. I just think if you're if you're if you're trying to get into into mu- into music, um, if you're trying to get into music to make okay. money right now, you're you're in the wrong line of work. You know what I mean? Um, right. You're gonna have to do you're gonna have to do something else. Also, if you're if you're just starting, yeah. it's just like, yeah, it's it's tough.
1: I mean, I think you know you you yourself and the Knox is a good example of you know doing what you think is right, building the dedicated fan base and, you know, gaining the success um, by having the true fans and not just the followers and not just depending on a TikTok thing or, you know, whatever it is. And you guys have been through so many evolutions or iterations of internet things that people go viral from. You know, whether it was (laughs) Facebook, Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, MySpace. That's the thing. We I remember posting things on MySpace. So it's always going to change. It's just a matter of um, I guess, yeah, keeping your integrity, but also trying to do business. It's like that weird seesaw.
0: Yeah. And like just getting better. Like I, that's what I've, I've recently yeah. kind of gotten back into the hobby side of making music. Like when I say that, I mean like I'm getting back into like kind of like I'm buying more vintage gear and like getting into like yeah. weird doing like cassette tape loops and stuff that I might not even use on records, but like like my brain is growing. It's like, oh, this is like I go into my basement and just like we'll make sound for for a couple hours right. and then maybe not even record it just like have fun doing it because i like for a while you get a little lost in it when you're like oh is this gonna go viral or is this like big enough is this like is the label right. gonna like this and you you forget why you got into this which was like me in my basement in new hampshire just geeking off of loving making weird shit to play for my friends and like and at the end of the day like you you start to lose sight of that i think if you if especially when you start getting into you know going on tour with fucking justin bieber and this shit and like <laughs> And your head starts getting thrown all over the place of, like, what's big enough? Is it big enough? Is it, like, whatever? And it's like, man, just, like, make – just have fun, too, sometimes, you know? (laughs) Like, don't forget to do that.
1: That's why (laughs) – that's how you ended up where you are, and I think that's the most important thing is to, like, remember your why. Like, when you feel lost or you feel, like, down, it's like if you just – go back to the initial reason why you started doing this or just scratch on your turntables or do some old school thing you used to do when you were like 20 years old just for fun. Like that's, you know, you have to go back and remember that. Like we didn't just do things because of this, you know, we wanted it to be viral. Like we just did it for fun and then cool shit came out of it. And that's why you were saying like that album you did in the house, you would just be doing shit for fun, people coming over and, you know those songs songs came out of it um and so what about like like i know you're gonna you guys are supposed to go play this weekend right in aspen or something oh yeah we're yeah we're in aspen this weekend yeah and so what's that is that just like a dj set or
0: yeah we do like a dj set it's mainly all knock songs but then the songs that j-pat like does has vocals on he'll go out and do them i guess you call it like a high the hybrid set or whatever i don't know they all all these different terms um But I mean, that's like I saw
1: um, Anderson Pack this weekend. I did a gig and he was doing it too. And he does vinyl, but he'll kind of do like mashups of his own songs, like put on the beat for like Busta Rhymes. And then he'll do the like come down verse over it while like pulling in and out. And it's kind of like what you're saying, this hybrid new thing where artists that are also on the mic and DJing can also bring that to the show or something. Right.
0: And I like that because it comes back to hip hop. It's like me and J both yeah. grew up listening to hip hop and like the MC and the DJ was like the thing where there's like, even like, you know, like dance hall shit with like the guy just hosting. It's like, and that's why I, I just love our DJ sets are fun because like, we don't, it's not like a lot of these more electronic acts that were producers turned DJs. We were kind of the other way around. I mean, we were always producers, but like we were very much club DJs, like not everyone, especially electronic acts. now have that have that um, back yeah. back history of like rocking clubs for so like a day job you know I was doing that shit for years so like the whole open format thing it's fun our DJ sets will be so fun because we playing our own shit then we'll just like flip into like a Whitney Houston song or some rap song and then go full open format and then go back you know what I mean it's like and yeah. we can totally wing it and it's not like we're up there being like this is our set and it's all like synced up and it's like drum in drum out like the the real like EDM guy thing it's like it's way more of like party rocking and I think that's yeah. why people like our DJ sets so much it's like it still is very obviously very much electronic leaning stuff, but it has this energy, that kind of New York open format energy to it for sure. Right.
1: Yeah. I think that's the advantage that you guys bring to this. I think open
0: format DJs are still the most, the most skilled DJs in the world. It's like, you can't beat that shit. You could be the best house. You could be Felix, the house guy, whatever. All these house DJs are great, but like, Go! Right. I dare one of those guys to go like rock a room at fucking Marquee or one of those places on a hip hop night. It's like good luck, brother. That shit is <laughs> right. hard. Yeah, that takes and a like you said, yeah.
1: like it, it it takes a long time. Like I've been doing this forever, and so there's times where it's like, am I done? And then, like you said, over the right. past two months alone, I've had some of the craziest first time experiences and DJed for people I've never played for, and and all of my knowledge and experience is like helping me, you know, like within these totally. situations when, the best feeling? W- yeah, it's crazy. And you wouldn't think when you get it, to you know, tap into like,
0: that old stuff. Yeah. It's the right. Best.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I'm playing, it's all the knowledge and all the experience are over all the time, you know, is, is like coming out to help within all these things. And it just feels like, okay, we're still growing as DJs. I'm still learning. I'm still being thrown into crazy situations where I need to under pressure, figure out what to do. And, uh, um, right. yeah, I think that, You know, it's probably why your guys' show is so much fun and stuff like that. That was my
0: only exposure to DJing was seeing, like, I never went out to clubs in other cities. When I moved to New York, I was just in New York, so I go to clubs and everyone would be playing, like, fucking Depeche Mode into Jay-Z, into some oldie song, into whatever. Then I was like, oh, not all clubs do this? like, no, a lot of other places were, like, there's a hip-hop club and there's a techno club and there's this. New York really, like, especially the cool bars in New York, that was, like, such a thing. Like, you go to, like, The Box or, like, these, like, more exclusive cool kid places – and they'd be playing like the Strokes, but then they'd mix it into like some full trap record. you be like, man, this is so cool. Right. And I feel like that. I feel like that influenced our music a lot because you want. It's like we, we're just genre mashers because it's just always been like we just like it all. Like I'll go listen to a stroke song and then listen to fucking right, like Beanie Siegel. You know what I mean? It's like I just I'm like everything.
1: <laughs> does that Does that kind of like. Um, flow into your production stuff, like being a DJ, being an open format DJ, like when you're making songs. I know you guys make a lot of like VIP uh, edits too that seem like they're more for the DJs.
0: Yeah, I always try to think of the DJs. It's funny because like our music is so not usually that DJ lean, but we'll make a couple records here and there. But I'm always like, it's almost more like my knowledge of, I use the knowledge of like knowing how songs react from being in the club so much or playing in the club. Like, you know, like, i always be like, oh, this is kind of like Just Can't Get Enough by Depeche Mode, like that way that hits or like all this stuff. But I would only know all those records from DJing, you know, like the, the, the main hits right. in like every genre basically, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, you just like your, your crate knowledge gets so deep and like, but you also just like, I mean, you're, you're a DJ. All you do is play songs and watch people react. Like you have, no one's a better judge of how music reacts than a club DJ. I always said my first, every time I finish a new single that I think is like big, I send it to DJ Equal. And I'm like, what do you think? And if he says it's a hit, it's usually a hit. <laughs> he like, you know, like like um, all my best yeah. friends that are DJs are my best. I'm judging. I'd ask them before anyone else, and either them or like someone, one of my friends that doesn't even like like music that much, who's not like a music right. person. Those are my two favorite people to ask, like a club DJ and them. I never want to ask another musician because they're always going to have something to fucking say. And I right. never want to ask like your best friend or your girlfriend or your parents because they're always like, it's great, sweetie. You know, you, you need like. Like yeah. Elliot, like a DJ like that, or like someone who just like works in fucking tech and just like listens to the most basic Spotify playlists. You know what I mean? Right. Those are my two yeah, favorite exactly. people to send music to.
1: And because like we can drop it like Elliot or can just drop it in the club and then we could see some sort of reaction, you know, like of what's And that's all you happen. do. What
0: else do you do when you're DJing? You're watching people. You're literally, right. you're, it's like a science experiment. You're watching these people yes.
1: react to sound,
0: you know? Right. And you start to to learn so much. You start to know, like, you know, you can tell if someone's really into it or if they're not. You can tell. It's such a funny thing. Yeah.
1: And you can tell if just a part of it works. Like, there's so many songs I play now where you can... It's like how quickly it takes for them to pull their phone back out. Like, that's what it is. So, like, the (laughs) people, either they want to film the one part singing it or, like, they'll be, like, into it. And then, like, you see them start to fade out and then they go, what am I doing right now? I need my phone to, like, feel normal. Okay, I'm looking at my phone. Okay. You know, and then you're, like, (laughs) change the song. Because they're, like, done yelling, like, 21, can you do something for me? You know, and then it's, (laughs) like... The part of the song they don't know, and they're like, uh, okay, I'm going to go on Instagram Yeah, that's, he switches
0: That's it. the danger of, of fucking TikTok, is everyone only knows 30 seconds of each song now.
1: I know. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. To, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, shit, I know you got to get out of here soon. Um, oh, yeah, shit. What? Uh, don't don't want to hold you. I know. I, I feel like I, I didn't think we'd go this long, and I also feel <laughs> like we could talk for way longer. We could talk forever. Um, I know. We could get into it. Um, what, um, someone, uh, when I asked for questions on the internet, someone asked, what was your first concert? Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, it was the roots. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. They played at the college in the college town near me and I saw them and it was amazing. It was like,
1: yeah, it was really cool. Oh, that's so dope. I got to go to their, uh, the Grammy jam that they do for during the Grammys. How sick was that? It was pretty dope. I went uh Saturday. I didn't realize
0: Questlove put that whole Quest put that whole thing yeah. together, the hip hop thing, on huh? the tribute.
1: Yeah. And they kind of practiced it the night before. So I went to the El Rey Theater and they had like all the same scarface everybody came out and did it oh, except wow. the Roots just jammed and did all their own songs and they do like 15 minute version of like um you don't what's oh what's the name of it like um the That's one the with Erykah Badu. Uh you don't know me. Yeah. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns into the jungle drum and bass kind of beat at the end. Yeah, uh, but yeah, heard I Quest, said,
0: Quest said he's going to do a full like hour long version of that hip hop tribute, like actually go through every era. Oh my god, he needs
1: and, to. Like, well, do well it that's all. the thing. It, it definitely he did the best job ever, and there's nothing else yeah. you could have done. But it definitely skipped through some era. I, I,
0: apparently, he had some some cancellations last minute. I, I was sad there was no Dipset. Right. If Dipset had come out, I would have just flipped my my coffee table over.
1: I think there were some cancellations at the uh, jam too because I saw the set list. Someone showed it to me, and not all of the stuff happened. Oh yeah, who knows? I mean, he probably rappers are tough. Man,
0: rappers will just be like, nah, I'm not going to make it."
1: It seemed like that's what Scarface was doing at live at the show, not in the Grammys, but at the practice yeah. one, because they like had him come out and then he like wrapped part of his verse and just was like, I'm out peace. Like, I got to go to yeah. sleep. That's the yeah. other thing is like, we're all old now. Like they didn't even Did go that? on till almost midnight. Everybody was so tired. Oh we God. all got there at eight o'clock and I'm like, yo, everybody's in their forties and fifties and like, let's, we're really? trying to go home now, dude.
0: <laughs> it's Not like the old hip hop like, shows where you're waiting all around all day. Yeah.
1: Like they're from the East Coast too and they played till like 3 in the morning. I'm like, "You guys really oh, want to sure. be up till 6 in the morning like to on the gra- day crazy. of the Grammys." But Uh that's wow. that's dope though. So the roots um All right. That's well, so you got to uh seems like the time the time is is up here. You got to go. But to um any uh any last minute words for the DJs out there, anybody trying to, you know, get into what you're um, doing, or just anything you want to say to the
0: people. No, my my older advice is the same one, which is just stick to it yeah. and do it, man. Yeah. Just keep doing it. Don't don't. And it's like seems so cliche, and I feel like when I was younger and someone told me that, I'd be like, oh my god, yeah, you and everyone else. But then like coming from someone who's now ten, fifteen years in, more than that, even though I, I hate counting the years, it makes me sad. <laughs> but uh, I know it, it's just like you gotta stick to it, you know. And it's like if you gotta fucking love it obviously don't do it for any other reasons besides loving it because i still get joy out of these little moments i go down there and scratch my old bionic booger breaks record and i fucking love it yes and it's yes. like if, if you if you have anything you love like that whether it's djing producing rapping any of that shit just just do it because we're lucky to have that at all because i you know i'm sure you know some people that don't get a little lost and they don't have the thing that they love and and I'm, you just yeah. start to realize how lucky you are to have something like that you know
1: yeah, exactly. Stay in the present and realize what you have in front of you without trying to feel like every other shiny thing around you is like better or I need to do this or I have to be like someone. Exactly. Else. And don't
0: compare yourself to other people. That's that's the most poison. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that like you are totally unique. In the same way, like we're comparing your music to other people, but it's still one of a kind and totally different. Everything you made and brought to the table. Well, thank you. And then everything you and J Pat make together is so unique and amazing, you know? So thank you, man. Yeah. I agree. Yo, so good having you on the show. And, Thanks, uh, Spider. Yes, everyone go check out Holiday 87, DJ B-Rock, The Knox, all that stuff. Snoop, say, tell them what up. Blah-dow. blah <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> um, all right. Thanks, uh, Hopefully uh, I see you in person. I'm Oh, yo, I'm playing this party this weekend. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, called Electric Feels. Um, oh yeah.
0: Elliot, Elliot, Elliot I was gonna did go it. with Elliot once. Yeah. It looked like yes. It's all like Bloghouse stuff. Like all that era, right?
1: Yo, I'm going to play your guys music. I, I will be at house of blues, San Diego. I think it's like sold out. Oh, yeah, it's Send me a insane. video. Elliot, Elliot, they po- go Elliot crazy. Did,
0: he played one at it when he did it and it looked like
1: they go off. They look crazy. Yo, your songs with like foster the people. It's like everybody's singing every word going nuts. Like I couldn't believe That's I did it crazy. once. And then they hit me like, Oh, who can, you know, do it. And I'm like, DJ equal for sure. And you were in town too. Right. So I know I told I them, I'm like going to go. I figured you would like just seeing it. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. yeah, it's pretty dope. So I'm going to do that uh, Saturday. So
0: send me some know. videos.
1: I will. Maybe give me a knocks drop. Be like, yo crowd. <laughs> yeah. What up? I don't know if they know your Coming voice. You from the but... woods. Yeah. I don't think they'll recognize <laughs> me for shit. <laughs> just re-sing, re-sing classic. <laughs> um, yeah. There we go. Yo, give <laughs> powers we need we need you over here um yo but yeah so i'll uh, i'll send you some video from that and uh, yeah thanks for everything you've done for the culture from djing to thank the music you, and did. giving us this incredible music to play as djs like it's a gift you know um oh, thank you i love it yeah so thank you and uh we'll talk to you soon peace thanks brother all right later All right. What a fun episode. Thank you so much to Ben aka DJ B rock of the Knox and his own solo project holiday 87 for coming on the show. We learned so much about his own personal life about, um, you know, just the places that music can take you so interesting. and He's such a cool dude. So shout to him for coming on go check out all his stuff all the links are in the episode. And thank you guys the beat sorcerers for listening. The 20 Podcast is produced by BeatSource. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. I'm DJ Spider signing off. Peace. And that was The 20 with DJ Spider.